0: So here we are today. It's, it's Christmas Eve, and um, I'm going to talk with you a little bit today about, about Christmas and about Jesus and about gifts. And I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to. This was kind of what was going to come off, off my heart is that uh, in our culture, we have lots of holidays, right? And they all have uh, something associated with them, right? Veterans Day is, is about honoring veterans, and Fourth of July is about the birthday of of our country you know labor day is to take a day off and and just rest for all of the labors that we do thanksgiving is about thanks thankfulness and whatnot and christmas is a birthday party it's it's about somebody's birthday except you know the culture wants to steal it and and they want to call it happy holiday right it's like well okay what should that holiday be right every other holiday gets to be something except christmas because it can't be about jesus if it's in the world but it is about Jesus. It really is about Jesus. But the, the, the weird thing that's awesome is that Christmas is about Jesus, and it's his birthday. And, and when, it's, when it's my birthday, you know, someone gives me a birthday gift. I don't typically give birthday gifts on my birthday. I receive gifts on my birthday. But on Jesus' birthday, we give each other gifts, right? And it seems a little screwy. Jesus, it's your birthday. What should we give each other? Right. And sometimes Christmas forgets. I mean, even even the happy holidays, people, uh, you know, it gets so gummed up in what did you get? What did you get? What did you get? That that even the, the sense of giving, it, the appreciation disappears from the anticipation of I'm going to get something. But here's the beautiful thing about King Jesus. Jesus said. Uh, well, let me back up a second. We give gifts on somebody's birthday, like somebody I don't know, like somebody is going to have a birthday next week that I don't know. Guess what I'm going to get them? Nothing, because I don't know them, right? But the people that I know and that I love, I want to get them a gift as a as an uh, expression of my love. But Jesus says, if you love me, obey me, right? And he says, if you don't obey me, don't deceive yourself. You don't love me. If you, if you think you have this affectionate, something that you're calling love but you walk in disobedience you don't love me now he says if you love me you obey me here's my command right here's what you need to obey you know what that is love each other jesus says if you love me then keep my commands here's my command love each other no greater love exists than that someone would lay down their life for somebody else so on christmas if we get it right What we're doing is we're saying, Jesus, I love you, by loving each other. And the way we express it is by giving a gift, giving a gift. So it's, wow, I just got tingles. Could be because it's actually cold in here today. (laughs) I'm never cold. (laughs) The point is that Jesus is so wonderful that on the day when he could get stuff, what he wants from us is to love each other. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, so... So if, if Christmas can, can, can actually be about gifts and, and not be bad, if, it's, if it can be about gifts, let's talk about gifts a minute. Um, this, is, this isn't really a scripture that would go with this sermon other than to just establish a framework. In, in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, Jesus himself says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What does it gain a person to to, to get everything that the world has to offer yet forfeit his soul eternally? Well, ultimately, the world is full of people. I certainly used to be one of them, and I have to fight against continuing to be one of them even today. But the world is full of people that are happy to deny the forfeiture, the, the recognition of the forfeiture of their soul to gain what the world has to offer. But see, Jesus is a gift, and and he offers a gift that's beyond anything that the world has to offer in its enormity in its entirety in its in its completeness in its ability to satisfy and to bring about every kind of good thing that a person could imagine but sometimes you have to look past remember the, the francis chan uh, sermon illustration of the the never ending endless rope and there's about 3 inches of red painted rope that represents the the natural life and all of the rest of this rope represents eternity And and you have to maybe take a pass on some of the red part of the rope so that you can have all of the awesome, eternal part of the rope. Jesus himself is the greatest gift that was ever given. But any gift to have any value at all has to be given. And any gift to have any value at all has to be received, right? So in the sense of Jesus as a gift, the way that it's given is called the gospel. So, so if we want to give the world the greatest gift they could ever receive, the way we present them that gift, initially at least, is through the gospel. And for them to have any benefit of all, any value at all of the gift that's been given to them, the way they have to receive it is through a word called faith. So if Keith is a guy who's chasing after the world at the expense of his soul – and I want him to know there's a better gift, I would share the gospel with Keith. And for Keith to receive and to actually open that gift would require him to exercise faith. And I'm not going to talk about it today, but even faith to open the gift, right? It's almost like the strength in your hands to rip the paper off a packet is a gift as well. So God, he leaves no stone unturned. He will pursue after us. He'll provide the grace from heaven to actually respond, the faith needed to respond, and then he provided the gift itself in his son, Jesus. The gift that comes from and through Jesus is called salvation. But the gift of salvation is a number of gifts, and that's what the, the gist of today's conversation is about, is, the, is all the gifts that come from Jesus. So Teresa made for me this this morning. If you were to to try to make a a sermon illustration, this bag right here is salvation. And the only way you can get it is through the gospel. And and to get it, you have to actually open it and receive it by faith, right? But it's more than um, one gift. The gift of salvation is three gifts. And the first gift that comes out of the gift of salvation is – I didn't really – think about how i was going to do this She just reminded me that i'd asked her about the bags this morning so the first gift that comes out of salvation in jesus christ from the father and from the lord jesus is called righteousness the first gift is righteousness and in acts chapter 10 verse 43 we read of him jesus all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins is another way to say righteousness. Without sin, we're righteous before God. Believing, uh, trusting, faith. Remember he says here, who believes in him receives. The one who believes, receives. If you believe, you receive. You're going to find that's the case with all the gifts that are in the bag of salvation right here. Believing, trusting, Faith is the receiving. The unwrapping of the gift of righteousness, the forgiveness of our sins, happens when we trust that the gift is what the giver says the gift is. In this case, the gift is Jesus Christ and his righteousness. When we trust in his righteousness as our righteousness, that our sin, all that we've done that's caused us to be unrighteous, can be taken away from us and and literally imputed to Jesus, and then he pays the wage of that sin on the cross on our behalf and his righteousness is imputed to us as righteousness, then we can stand before God. So the gift of salvation starts with the gift of righteousness from righteousness. Once we're righteous from righteousness comes reconciliation. That would be between us and God from reconciliation comes relationship with God. And then from reconciliation and relationship comes heaven. And and the last part I added at at the end of preparing this thing because most of you understand all this, but maybe there's some folks that haven't actually opened the gift of salvation and they haven't gotten to the gift of righteousness, so they don't necessarily equate that with heaven and hell. But unless we actually open up this gift that's called salvation in Jesus Christ, we don't get the righteousness that's in the gift, which then gives us reconciliation to God. It, it, it opens up the opportunity to have a relationship with God. All of that equals that we don't have to bear the wrath of God, that it was done to Jesus on our behalf, and we get actually just the glory of heaven for eternity. Amen? Okay. So then the second gift that's, that's in the, uh, the gift bag of salvation... It's called peace That's the second gift It's called peace So when, when people receive salvation In Jesus Christ Everybody highlights the gift of righteousness They might call it forgiveness of sins You know, call it what you want But, but this part is always talked about Everybody believes that they received The gift of righteousness But they almost never talk about The gift of peace but see, uh, God, through the prophet Isaiah, said that by his chastening, we have our peace. And, and, and the word, the Hebrew word behind the English word peace is shalom. And, and, and if you ever listen to anybody who has any depth at all in the Hebrew language, the word shalom is almost like a word you can't describe. The, the, to, to call it just, you know, just peace is to do it in justice it's it's so much bigger than peace it affects and, and implies and and speaks to anything and everything that could actually cause us not to have peace so by his chastening he he paid something see no gift comes for free if you went to the store and you and you got a gift for somebody they didn't say oh i love that person here take this no you have to pay for that gift right every gift is paid for no gift is free except maybe the debt of love, right? We're, we're to give the, the gift of love to everybody, be in debt to no man except to love him. But these gifts, the gift of salvation, all the gifts that are in the bag here, they were very expensive gifts. They cost the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And, and he had to feel the pain. He had to experience the torment, the chastening of God Almighty, such that peace could be in this bag of salvation for us. So everybody... That believes themselves to be born again believes that they've received righteousness from Jesus. They may not understand all the ins and outs of it, but but they they recognize that they've gotten a restored relationship with God. But have you received the gift of peace? Let me read you a couple of scriptures. In this one, the Lord, I mean, I've read it a hundred times. It's in the Gospel of John, in my favorite part of the Gospel of John, and I read past it until just this week when we were doing Bible study. In John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So when we pray for somebody and we say, oh, you know, I pray that you'll have peace, it's starting to feel like not the most excellent prayer to me. Because Jesus said, I gave it to you. You have the peace of Jesus. But then he goes on in that verse to say this, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Remember, um, the opening, remember what the opening is of the gift? It's faith, it's trust, it's believing. So when, when my peace is being attacked and, and I'm starting to, um, my soul, my countenance is starting to to, act or believe or, or be such that my peace has disappeared, I'm anxious or whatever, faith is, Opens up the bag here, and it says, no, my heart will not be troubled, and I will not be fearful. Well, you could say, well, you don't know my circumstance. And I say, well, nope. But Jesus gave you a gift, and he didn't say anywhere. I can't find it anywhere in the scriptures that except for under these circumstances, you don't have peace. You have peace. He's given you his peace. It's not peace like the world gives. It's, it's supernatural. It's, it's undefinable. It's, it's like, it's shalom, and we can't even figure out the word to its extent, peace. So when, when someone comes to, or something, or the enemy comes, and they try to take away the, the gift that Jesus has given us in his very blood, we respond, sorry, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled, and I'm not going to be fearful. But what if it plays out like this? Then it plays out like that. What if, what if I die huh, and I go to heaven? <laughs> not a bad option. Not so good for everybody else maybe, but not so bad for me. So you have a gift from God in Jesus Christ. He paid a high price for it. It's called peace. Exercise it. Believe it. Trust it. Don't allow the enemy through circumstances or lies and deceptions to take away what Jesus paid such a high price for in your life. Let me give you one other scripture. Marty loves this scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This is about the what, not the how. The Apostle Paul, God, speaking through the Apostle Paul, says, be anxious for nothing. So what do you have permission to get worried about? Nothing. Anxiety? Nothing. Fear? Any of that stuff. Be anxious for nothing. Well, how can I do that? I refer you back to John chapter 14. My peace I give you. Not like the world gives do I give. Do not let your heart be troubled or be fearful. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So there's going to be a time maybe when we're struggling with, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled, I'm not going to be fearful, I'm not going to embrace this fear, and, and we might be just losing a little bit against that battle. He gives us another option. Let your request be known to God. Okay, God I'm grateful to you, and I come to you in prayer with supp- supplication. And, and the best I understand the word supplicate or supplication is, is to make your request with great humility. So so I come before the Lord. I'm so grateful that that he is able to restore my peace in this context, and I come to him humbly, and I make my request that whatever it is would be dealt with. And here's what the Scripture goes on to say. And the peace of God, the peace of God himself. Do you think God has anxiety? I don't think so. Does he have fear? He does not. He has perfect peace. He is shalom. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen and a half. A double amen. So. I might be struggling with the whole part about not letting my heart become troubled. But when I come to God and I come with uh, gratitude and I I humbly bring this thing to him, just like Hebrews says, right, boldly approach the throne of grace, he gives me a peace, his very own peace, that's beyond my ability to even comprehend it. I don't even have to understand it. I don't have to know about it. I don't have to have a mind big enough to understand it and I still get to have it. And where does it guard me? In the places where peace gets taken, in my heart and in my mind, in Christ Jesus. So the second gift that we get in the bag of salvation is peace. Now, the third gift is the one that people want to argue with me about. And if I say, I have to agree with them in their arguments if I walk by sight. But... We're not to walk by sight. We're to walk by, and and what does faith do? It opens, it unwraps the package, right? So the third gift that comes out of this bag called salvation, and I don't even know what the best word to describe this one is, but this gift is physical healing. It's, It's physical well-being. Again, prophesied by Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus, describing Jesus, so that we know that Jesus is the prophesied one, and he said, by his stripes, right? His stripes were from a cat of nine tails. You are healed. It says that he bore our pains, and it uses the word sorrows in some translations, but it's pains, sicknesses, afflictions, infirmities. It says that. So the third gift that we have to open We don't get it if we don't open it, right? There's some parts of Christianity that would preach that this gift isn't even in the bag except it's prophesied and then it's spoken to and then it's demonstrated and then it's demonstrated again in the book of Acts. There's another gift in there and it's called healing, right? Now there's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not everybody gets all the gifts. Everybody gets to have all the fruit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, everybody gets those. Against these, there is no law. But the gift of dispensing healing at the highest level, every, every Christian has the opportunity to be able to lay hands on somebody, pray, and see them be healed. But there are certain people that God has gifted at a very high level, like uh, John G. Lake or these guys, these huge healing anointings that would literally back in the day get on a train and ride into a town or ride through a town. I mean, it's like Peter's shadow. The train goes through the town. Everybody that's sick in the town gets healed. Wow. Okay, so we got this third gift. It's called healing or wellness. Let me give you a couple of scripture references. Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his, Peter's, mother-in-law, lying sick in a bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and waited on him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, probably go, and he healed all who were ill. Now that's cool, right? You could find that all throughout the Gospels, Jesus casting out devils and dealing with sicknesses and infirmities and crippledness and blindness and all that stuff. But verse 17 goes on to do something really cool. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Where are they? Where's my disease? He's got it. Where's my sickness? Where's my infirmity? He's got it. If you take, and um, I I didn't look to see what the the Greek word for carried away is, but it's also translated as removed. So you could read verse 17 this way. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and removed our diseases. If he removed them, where are they? Removed. But, wait a minute, I still get sick. So maybe that's not true. Well, it is not true if we walk by sight. But maybe if we walk by faith, it will be true. Jesus himself said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? I think this is the kind of faith he's looking for. So when when we say, you know, I just don't believe that God heals today, or maybe in Africa or maybe someplace else, then that gift doesn't ever come out of the bag. Why? Not because it wasn't given, right? People give gifts, and someone doesn't receive a gift. The gift has been given, and and Jesus paid the price, a, a high price for this gift but it's not always received or opened for unbelief, for bad doctrine, for uh, lack of faith, for um, maybe even a, a lack of perseverance. Sometimes we have to persevere in our faith to get the fullness of the gift that Jesus has given us. Not, I think, necessarily because he's wanting to make it hard, but there's a force in this world that doesn't want anybody to even get the big bag, let alone the pieces of the bag. It was prophesied, it was demonstrated, and then it was declared to be the fulfillment of the prophecy. Jesus, when he said to the the 12, when he sent them out early in his ministry, he sent them out. What did he tell them to do? Heal the sick, cast out the devils, raise the dead, proclaim the kingdom of heaven. Then his ministry got larger, and he sent out 70. What did he tell them to do? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out the devils, proclaim the kingdom of heaven. Then he finished his ministry. He paid for everything. That's everything. He paid for all of the gifts. And just before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he said, these signs will follow those who believe. They will heal the sick. They will drink deadly poison. It won't harm them. Then the book of Acts comes, and Peter walks down the street in his shadow. Just People are like, what time do you think Peter's coming? Well, why do you care? Well, because if he comes in the morning, I want to be on this side the street because the sun will be over here and just his little shadow is going to make me well you talk about faith or on this side or Paul the apostle who can't get to everybody they bring him little scraps of cloth you know just (laughs) just buff his shiny head with that cloth and the anointing the anointing would transfer to an inanimate thing and they would take it to the person who's demon possessed and the demon would run from the anointing that's in the cloth because it came so close to the holy man of God the sick would get healed. The casting of Peter's shadow. Oh, let me give you another one. Matthew nine twenty through 22. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will get well. She's opening the gift before it was even given, right? She didn't care. No cross, no nothing. She's like, I'm opening this present, and it's only like the end of November, Christmas time. If I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus turning and seeing her said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once, the woman was made well. She just believed He hadn't even died yet. There was no resurrection. All she had was prophecy. All she had was Isaiah, right? And all Zechariah, all the prophecies that were in their holy book at the time. And she was unclean, hemorrhaging. She couldn't even legally get close to anybody, let alone Jesus. But she knew. She knew. Jesus didn't pray for her. He didn't lay hands on her in the name of me, you know, hemorrhaging. Stop in my name. No, he was the, the perfect, uninhibited vessel of the gift. And she said, if I could touch his cloak, the power of her faith, I, I, I could have read this from a, 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 in more length or from a different place, but the power of faith drew the power of heaven down through the vessel of heaven into her body and healed her. Jesus, he said, whoa imagine jesus he's walking down the street he's walking down the street he's actually on his way to what he thinks is to heal a little girl but she turns out to be dead and he just well well you know that's just worse sick to him he just raised her from the dead and then he looked at her and he said i think she might be hungry feed her right that's where he's on his way to crowds are gathering around him and all of a sudden jesus just goes ah and somebody says what master what lord he's like somebody touched me And they're like, Lord, everybody's touching you. He said, no, I felt virtue. I felt power go through me. See, the rest of the people were touching him, but they weren't touching him with the the necessary thing to unwrap the gift. She touched him with faith. And faith just ripped the skins off the sack, and bam, she got her healing because she knew if she could just touch Jesus. So three gifts that he gives us. Righteousness that we can literally I mean, you have to understand the righteousness that you have in Jesus Christ. The, to be in God's presence, to go to heaven, to, to have relationship with the God of the universe, the creator of everything that is, requires you to be as perfect as He is. Nobody gets to go, all of sin and fallen short of that glory, except because of the gift. And that gift is righteousness. And what you have to understand, despite your errors and your mistakes and your stumbles and your, oh, God, forgive me moments, that you have the very righteousness of God himself imputed to you. That's a pretty good gift. That restores relationship, reconciliation, and eternity with God to us because of what Jesus did. The second gift is the gift of peace. My peace I give you. How do we receive the first one? By faith. How do we receive the second one? By faith. The third one is that, and, and I will argue this, even though it's not perfectly evident in my own life, I have seen it. I watched my wife and another lady lay hands on a woman who had no calf, she had a bone and skin. Three or four minutes later, she had, a, I mean, a calf, like a, you know, like a a calf on her leg. I don't know the doctor that can do that, except for King Jesus. A guy whose arm was paralyzed. It was just dead. It had no life in it. it. It was like, if it wasn't too heavy and the wind blew, it would just go wherever the wind blows. It just flopped like a noodle on the side of him. Prayed in the name of King Jesus, and he raised that arm up over his head. It had been dead for I don't know how long, long, long time. Headaches, sicknesses, all that stuff, gone, because somebody opened the gift, really, you know, kind of by faith delivered the gift, and then by faith they opened the gift, and they received what Jesus had purchased for them, healing. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, Jesus was both the sacrificial lamb of God and he was God's gift to all of us. The motivation for all of that was love. The gift is King Jesus. He purchased these gifts for everybody. Everybody. If you don't have peace, it's not because he only purchased for you righteousness. It's because there's a devil out there that doesn't want you to have the peace that Jesus purchased for you. I mean you, you everybody believes they got this one, so we'll just put the righteousness thing again. I don't know that we all understand it well, but but we believe we got saved. He purchased for you peace, peace that doesn't care about your circumstances. peace that's the very peace of God who doesn't know anything but peace. He bought it for you. it's yours. Unwrap it and then contend to keep it, because it's yours. This one's a little trickier, but there's testimony after testimony after testimony, including Matthew chapter 8. This happened to confirm what Jesus said. He's taken them away. I Let me just tell you a testimony. You've heard this before. I'll hurry up and we'll sing more Christmas songs. But... I used to have heartburn, like blowtorch heartburn, kill an elephant heartburn, so bad. And I would eat a little pill every night before I went to bed. Otherwise, I couldn't sleep. At some point, the heartburn would come, and it would be so bad, it would wake me up, and I couldn't sleep at night. And I found these little pills, and and they were great. They're good for 12 hours. They would take care of the heartburn. And uh, Teresa and I, we went to a conference on a cruise ship Serious suffering for the Lord. <laughs> 24-hour buffet. And in the evening meeting, they were getting words of knowledge. This guy was just standing up there, and the Lord would speak something to him, and he would call this out. God is healing this. God is delivering from that. God is healing this. And he said, God is healing or delivering. I don't remember the word he used. Um, acid reflux. I don't really know what that is, but I think that's heartburn. It might be like a fancy name. Bill, is that heartburn? Okay. It's a, it's like, you know, it's a name for heartburn. I stood up and raised my hand. I claim it. The Lord has, uh, you know, I don't have heartburn anymore. That night, the service ended, and Teresa and I went to the all-night pizza place. And I ate, I'm serious, like double grease bomb. It would have killed me. Pizza. Pepperonis on top of pepperonis. Greasy, Nasty. I mean, I, I, would, I would literally look at that in the evening and just know I'm going to die for it. It's going to kill me tonight. And I ate up like a whole double pepperoni grease bomb pizza. I didn't take any pill. I went to bed. I slept all night long. And then topped it off, she remembers, with milk and cookies because Joe's his dad's son, right? <laughs> and for a year and a half, I never had heartburn. From an instant, I never had heartburn. And then I felt the symptom of heartburn coming on me. And I said, you lying devil, I'm delivered from heartburn. I, I applied faith. What was going on in the spiritual? The devil probably been trying to mess with me the whole time, but the Lord wouldn't let him. But now it's was time for James. Consider it all joy when you suffer trials of many kinds, for the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work that you might be complete and mature and lacking nothing. So at some point, whichever, whenever it was appropriate, the Lord took his grace away, not his healing away, but his grace, and he let the devil suggest something to me that I, I could actually hear his suggestion, and I felt it. I said, get behind me, Satan. There's no way. I'm healed of heartburn. I don't have heartburn. Gone like that. Week later, again, gone like that. Couple days, gone like that. Another week for probably three or four months, every time that devil would try, I could just say, no way, I am healed. The Lord has delivered me, and, and it would go just like that. And then one time I felt it coming on. Trees, we got any Aids? I took a Aids. and guess what? It went away. The next time I took a AIDS. the next time, three months later, I ate some greasy pizza, took the little pill. What happened? My faith was tested, but I didn't persevere, and I let it come back. Now, it's not at, at all like it was. But the point is, that gift. Sometimes we got to keep opening it and opening it and opening it. But it's for us. <coughs> I know it's for us. The devil's going to try to steal it. It's ours. And we contend for it. When when we get to the first of the year, we're going to pick a list of stuff. You're back. JD's back. Um, maybe Jim, Margie's dad, and and, and we're going to assign people you know maybe two or three people and every single day you're going to pray for keith's back and every single sunday the two or three of you are going to lay hands on keith's back and we're going to contend for what's ours until it comes and then we're going to contend to keep it (laughs) because that's what the word says and that's what jesus purchased for us and he paid a high price for it that we should let the devil have what's ours because he just tells us it's not no way It's ours. So, my question to you is Have you received all the gifts? Have you received any of the gifts? Remember, the mechanism by which we deliver the gifts is the gospel. And and if you're questioning um, whether or not you've received the first gift of salvation that includes all these other gifts, then I'm going to give you just a short gospel. I'm not going to ask you to respond to the gospel. I would really like the opportunity to talk with you if you feel like you, you haven't yet responded to the gospel because the gospel is bigger than five minutes. The gospel it could, could be six months. It could be a year. It could be 18 months of pressing and pressing and pressing and dealing and understanding all of what Jesus demands of those that would receive what he's purchased for them as a gift. But here's the gospel in a nutshell. God created everything that is. Some of everything that is is mankind. God placed a tree in the garden that he'd made for mankind to live, this paradise that was awesome. Everything that a man could want or need was in that garden, and one thing that he shouldn't have, the thing that he shouldn't have was the knowledge of good and evil because it made him to be like God in such a way that he wasn't designed to be. And... God told mankind, he said, if you you eat whatever you want, the whole garden is yours, but that tree in the center, you can take from it if you want, but if you do, you'll surely die. And then man, Adam, Eve, the woman, they took from that tree and they ate, and they corrupted themselves. And from that corruption, remember, to be with God requires the perfect holiness. God, excuse me, they didn't possess it anymore. So God put them out of the garden. He put an angel with a big fiery sword at the gate so they couldn't get back in. And he pronounced curse over them for what they did. And from their disobedience, from their rebellion against God, all of us, all of mankind is corrupted. And if we weren't originally corrupted, we corrupted ourselves as soon as we started to commit our own little sins and our own big sins. God knew that was going to happen, and before even man was created, he had a plan to redeem, to reconcile, to bring ba- mankind back into his graces. And, and the way he was chosen to do that is through his son, so that a sacrifice could be made for all of us who have corrupted ourselves, who have, who have rebelled against God, whether you think you did or you didn't, you did. You've rebelled against God. You've hated God. In every sinful act, you tell God you hate him. He provided his son. His son had to come in the likeness of human flesh. So Jesus was born of a virgin, as it was prophesied, right? I don't know, a couple thousand years ago tomorrow, right? Christmas Day. Born of a virgin. Why was he born of a virgin? Because the corruption is in the seed of the man. If he were conceived of Joseph's seed, Jesus would have had the same corruption that we do. So he was conceived by God, the Holy Spirit, in Mary's womb, he had to be flesh like we're flesh. He never ceased to be God, but he stepped away from his deity. He could not access his deity. He had to be perfect. If he, if he remained and maintained his perfection through the power of his deity, then he didn't have to be like us. So he had to step aside from his deity. Yet he lived a perfect and sinless life for one purpose and one purpose alone, that he might be found an acceptable sacrifice for my sin and for yours. And at the appropriate time, he offered himself on the cross to the beating, to the ridicule, to the spiritual torment, to everything that would be equivalent to every person's eternally receiving the wrath of God, such that those who would actually not just receive the gift the gospel but would actually open the gift through faith could then be reconciled back to he and the father and have eternal glory with them in heaven that's a nutshell of the gospel that God loved his creation mankind so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him shall not die but have everlasting life if you've responded to that offer but all you've received is the forgiveness of your sins, then you need to reach back down in the bag and get the rest. If you haven't actually sincerely and truly responded to the gospel, if you you don't have a a secure sense, then you need to give me a call. Everybody's got my cell phone number. You can send me a text. You can call me. And I want to share the gospel with you so that you actually get the gift of salvation, which then contains... Righteousness, peace, and healing. Amen? Amen. Okay, let me just pray over you. Did you have something you wanted to say? Okay. Father God, Christmas Eve. I mean, Christmas Eve, Lord. It's like, this, today is like, wow, the Christ child about to be born. You, you created the circumstances that forced them out of Nazareth to Bethlehem because the prophecy said, that Messiah doesn't come from Nazareth. He'll be a Nazarite, but he, does, he comes from Bethlehem. He's born in Bethlehem. And you made the circumstances. Jesus can't control that from inside his mother's womb such that he was where he was supposed to be. And then you, you shine this light in the sky and you brought these people. And the angels came and they worshiped the birth of the Christ child, the, the, the anointed one, the prophesied one. Father, we are so grateful. And Lord Jesus, we are so beyond grateful to you that you would uh, suffer every temptation, every test, every trial that would have caused any man or every man to sin, yet you didn't succumb. And you offered yourself absolutely blameless. You didn't answer any other charges on that cross on our behalf. So Lord, you are the greatest gift that's ever been or will ever be given. And we thank you. We thank you that your character is such that the way you want us to appreciate it is to appreciate each other, to love one another, to give gifts that have that have heartfelt love behind them to one another. And Father, I just pray on behalf of myself and all of these people that we don't leave a single thing that you paid such a high price for in the bag, that we continue to exercise faith, opening the gifts, the gift of righteousness the gift of shalom or great perfect godly peace the peace of god himself and the healing that you purchased for us by your stripes i pray it in jesus name amen (laughs) yeah we okay since you're going to take the offering okay
1: if you could all stand For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. For the mighty one has done great things for me, for you, and holy is his name. So tonight as we gather and tomorrow morning as we gather. And we celebrate Christmas. May we all remember that this gift has a name. And this gift was born, prophesied by Isaiah, born of a virgin. This gift has a name, and his name is Jesus. And as we open gifts tomorrow morning, may we remember the reason we open the gifts. It's so that each one of us, that gift, Jesus, provided redemption and reconciliation so that we could spend eternity. with him. The gift has a name. The gift is a person. For unto us tonight a child will be born, has been born. And may we remember the true spirit of Christmas is Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And that gift provides everything that we need. Just like Pastor Pat said. Within that gift are many gifts. But the three most important salvation, peace, and healing. Oh, what a Savior! I pray that we don't minimize the gift, that we don't lose sight of what the gift is who the gift is and what the gift truly means. We thank you, Lord. And we come and we celebrate you.